Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well, and welcome to another episode of the Known Legacy Podcast. I'm Bill, and want to let you know about a couple things. Uh, you know, we have some. Uh, you know, uh, you know, if if you want to watch us live, you can go to Facebook uh, and go to Known Legacy yeah. Ministries. Most of the time, we're we're we we have a great piece of equipment that we absolutely love. It's a, a product called Switcher and it does a lot of good things for us, but for some reason good things. seems like Apple updated a bunch of things today and, and Switcher decided to, so not everything's working the way it's supposed to. So, unfortunately, we were a little delayed. We apologize. And uh, we promise you uh, we'll keep doing better, right? You know what? We'll, we'll try to do better. I think that's the deal i don't know though but yeah so hey so wanna wanna you know guys we're just a bunch of hot hot messes in jesus name but um you know big thanks to our producer kyle who is on today yes we love we, kyle we there would have him on there video but we can't do it today because of the glitches so anyways kyle's I, don't, on. I don't know how that works <laughs> i don't know what to do with my hands i'll, I'll, I'll fall on the sword today guys fall on the sword it's not you kyle thank you very much for everything you do and we have a special guest so bill take us over to the special guest you know um you know we are so glad to have this guy here first thing travis thank you for being our cohort what is a cohort i don't know but i feel like uh i could do better that we probably could <laughs> so our guest today is a guy who makes beef jerky look like a pink cupcake i don't this, know how to take that is I, that a good thing it's a good thing okay it's like a man's man all right i like I mean, it i mean if there was someone who could chew leather this would be the guy give it up for the man the myth the legend jay mayo jay, jay so mayo, to have you on today. Right, hey guys can y'all hear me okay we can hear you. We, we can hear you hear loud you. and clear. Okay, good. Okay, good. We're good. so glad to have you. Man, you couldn't be a, you couldn't have a more technologically uh, incompetent guest because right in the middle of that, my earphones just jumped on my iPhone and I freaked out and thought I messed the whole thing up here. So <laughs> you're <glad> great. <laughs> I love it. Look, look at behind this man. He has a deer head, which it is makes fantastic. Me, it makes See, me so a, happy. There's a duck and a. See that pheasant? Let's see if I can see that pheasant. Yeah, see if we can turn the turn oh, the man, camera to show the pheasant. Yeah, it's over there somewhere. Anyway, That's yeah, awesome. It looks beautiful. I just set up this way only because the other the the windows the other direction and it it, it shows my bald spot, so <laughs> I don't want it glaring up. There's nothing wrong with a bald spot. So there. Oh wow. Yes, very nice. Well, dude, we are so glad to have you on today. Jay, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, your story? Uh, just just take a couple minutes so that. Travis can get to know you. I already know this guy. I'm yeah. already kind of, I'm kind of a fangirl. I can tell. Just I can kind tell. of a fangirl. I this. can tell. But no, share a little bit about, about your story and who you are and all that kind of stuff for our listeners and our viewers. Yeah, I um, live in Midland, Texas. Um, spent the last, for the most part, 25 years here. We moved away for a few years, but I've been in, I was in church ministry, vocational ministry for like 36 years. Um. And so, you know, in different capacities over the years, student ministry, uh, missions ministry, uh, associate pastor, um, ended up uh, the last, I think, 10, eight or 10 years doing counseling, leading a counseling department uh, and teaching, being on a teaching team. And uh, so we moved away for a few years from Midland, thinking we'd move down to the North Austin area and kind of... Uh, transition with my folks and just through a bunch of health events we ended up moving back my folks were not in good health and they eventually passed away uh, a year year and a half ago Um, and so when i came back though i transitioned into a role in the the business world Um, and the best way to describe it is 
um, like if they, and they may use this term, if, you know, I, I'm kind of like over operations, but I'm like the CRO. If you had like this chief relational officer at the company I'm at, then, and I really kind of operate in the COO capacity, but I, I'm, I'm just make sure relationally, um, our, our team works as a team kind of responsible for building culture. Um, and also, um, trying to make sure if this makes sense that our organization shifts and changes to maximize the potential of the person. So I kind of have my eyes on an organizational structure to make sure, man, are we structured in a way that this guy can be free to uh, fully do what he's gifted to do, which makes our company better. So I'm also kind of keeping an eye on an organizational structure and always trying to say, Hey, this is, we're limiting this guy or this group. And, um, so it's a real unique role and I'm kind of a shepherd and a pastor to our team. So this company took a risk to let me just be me and then kind of find a hole for me to fit into. Um, and I just call it CRO, I'm chief relational officer. You know? <laughs> I love it. I love it, dude. I, I wouldn't say a risk. That's like saying, Hey, I'm going to buy Apple stock. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like it really isn't a risk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, this guy, man, he has a heart for men and a heart for, for uh, seeing men come alive. In fact, Jay, you, you have a nonprofit too. What's that, what's that nonprofit called? The nonprofit, there's, there's actually two different things um, that I'm working on. One is called Epicos, um, Epicos Group, which is kind of a leadership, not leadership consulting like you think it is, but building leaders and a counseling slash um, company that I'm working on. And the other is um, a pretty cool nonprofit that's totally something I haven't kind of officially gone public called Epic Warrior Foundation. And it really is uh, focusing on um, the everyday warrior, like first responders, um, mm. law enforcement. How do you and who fights for the warrior and trying mm. to help keep those warriors in the fight? And so it's providing spiritual, emotional, psychological support and making sure that that happens in every department across the state of texas oh, and so cool. um and then secondly and, and honestly in a, in a more i'm gonna use the term tactical sense is if there needs to be funding for uh the best possible defensive training for uh, a department uh and and equipment if they could say man if we could just do this it would really help us protect and serve and so it's trying to focus on that that's what this organization ultimately will be epic warrior foundation that's awesome and so you kind of seen me float that logo around yeah i love it it looks so so cool yeah so so uh so even as we're you know as as i'm thinking about it what what made you create it or what what where did the desire come from to want to start an organization like that the epic warrior foundation yeah, yeah, yeah. The epic or, or both of those. Yeah, both really. Of them. I I sat down about uh, eight or ten months ago, and I, I just you know it's one of those reviews we all do as guys. Like, what what are the things I can't get off my heart? Yeah. And what would I do with those? You know, I was actually reading uh, kind of a plug. I was I was rereading a, a book by Irwin McMahon. It's called The Last Arrow. You know, and he's just talking about. Uh, dying with no arrow left unflung in your life you know so, so i was like if it's what are the book. things what are the arrows that just are, are, are 
on my heart that I just need to draw back and fling before I die. And the three things I identified was I always want, I mean, you know me, Bill, I always want to help people live in light of the bigger story. Like you were made to live in the bigger story that God is writing. You have a role to play. And so that's where epikos is really the Greek word for story. Um, and so that kind of desire to continue to do that on a more formal basis with Epicos, but the Epic Warrior, I, I've always had a burden for military law enforcement in the sense that they're warriors that put their lives on the line for the sake of other people, but they often are, no one walks with them after the battle. So there's a lot of organizations that do that, like wounded warriors and things that happen after the fact. But my right. burden was, how do you keep these guys in the battle? Because I spend a lot of time doing ride-alongs with law enforcement locally and what I know is that, man, they, they go through daily trauma and daily uh, yeah. struggle just protecting and serving. So it was kind of like, how do you keep them in the battle? So that's the tagline, like, you know, helping warriors stay in the fight. Like, because you don't want to wait till they're, they're completely uh, knocked out of the battle to then kind of tend to the warrior. I'm talking like, what can we do in the meantime to help right. them? process what it takes to be a warrior in everyday life and i mean that even in first responders so it wouldn't it's not going to include just law enforcement but like the first responder fire department healthcare workers those people who are putting their lives on the line for the sake of other people they are live they are epic warriors in the sense that they're fighting for a bigger story yeah that's kind of the whole point of that so yeah and i'd wager bet that the, the last year has been exceptionally hard for first responders um, just because of a lot of the political issues that have risen up. And yeah. I remember being told a long time ago by one of my pastor friends that if you ever have a chance to get one of those guys and they actually start talking about the battle, if they ever start talking about some of the the stuff that they've seen that no one will ever understand, your job is to just sit there and listen because them being comfortable enough to share it with someone that's not in the trenches with them um, is an honor in some yeah. ways and very therapeutic for them. And uh, I have a um, my wife's cousin married a, a Houston firefighter, and uh, I always loved my times with him around the campfire because, I, unfortunately, it was about a half halfway through the bottle of bourbon that he'd start talking about like rolling up on a scene as a first responder, and there's three kids in the car and having to process that and oh, come home, man, and you know I'm I'm even tearing up thinking about it because there's no way I, I I can't imagine processing through that. Yeah, I don't even know. And it's not happening just once in a life; it's happening on a every shift kind of moment, you know? Um, and so, man, I, I thank you so much for doing that. Um, if you, let, let's say there's some guys in, that are listening in that have some buddies that are first responders, what advice would you give to them um, or the first responders um, as they're kind of processing through the, the challenges that they have on a regular basis? You know, I think you're 100% right about their hesitancy to talk about it. and i think more than anything they they they're right back they don't leave the battle you know, right. i mean the difference in, yeah. in the law enforcement i mean their daily deployment right so i think in their mind i've got to put that emotion aside i've got to put that trauma aside because i got to be back on well, and the I, next I, shift and, and so. i think yeah and i think part of it is again their 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 ethos is um to protect and they they think that if I share this, I'm burdening someone else with something that I can barely carry myself. 
And so I don't want to yeah. do that. I want to protect them. And so that's why they don't talk to their wives and their spouses about some of the hardest things that they deal with because they don't want to, they don't want to burden them. They don't want to guard their hearts. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. Constantly so guarding hearts. It, it's really a no win situation. So the fact that you're willing to step into that gap and make a difference there is, is absolutely huge. And I pray that other men of God are, are being stirred by that and are yeah. figuring out how to do that with their local fire departments or their local police departments um, and uh, genuinely care for the, the men and women that are on the front lines in our local communities. You know, and again, I'd say if you're out there listening and you want to be a part of what Jay's doing, please right. info at known legacy, send us an email and we will info at known org, and we will shoot that over to Jay and, and connect you guys, you know, and, and it's funny cause this isn't even why we even asked you to be on, be on today. This is already <laughs> incredible. But, but it makes me jump into, you're right, there's guys who have, who have felt the calling of what God has called them to do, whether they acknowledge that God called them to it, but they're doing what they are designed to do. But I think as we were talking, Jay, beforehand, there was this question of, you know, the biggest mistake that men make. Like, what, what do you think, you know, as we were talking, like, what is this, the biggest mistake that you see that men make? Because here, I'll give you a little, a little bit of caveat. As I've talked to Jay and hear his heart, he didn't mention this, but the writer of The Last Arrow, um, you, you did ministry with him. Hand, you did hands-on ministry with him as well, correct? Yeah. With Irwin. years serving with Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. In inner city in Dallas. Yeah. And so so I that heart from Irwin, is this, I can see that same heart in Jay. And that's why the question I ask about, Jay, Jay helps men come alive. And so, Jay, as you're helping these men come alive, what is the biggest mistake you see men make in their lives? That was, that's a good question. I, I laugh when um, you initially just told me, hey, that's, that's potentially a topic. Because I was like, why are you asking, or why are you asking me? Do you think I'm, I'm the best guy to talk about mistakes men make? That's what I was laughing like. <laughs> I'm the biggest mistake maker because <laughs> I am. Welcome to Man, the club. I, right. Welcome to the club. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. I laughed. My first initial smart butt response was, "It's you know, the, what's the biggest mistake men make? How do you narrow that down? It's the mistake they're making currently, right? That's the yeah. biggest yeah, mistake yeah. they're making. But but I think one of the biggest mistakes, and, and, and so let's just cut through all the BS and, and I'll take it personal, I make. Because I can't, you know, I figure most guys – we're all, we all struggle with the same things. And so I think one of the biggest mistakes I have made and continue to make in my life is, is trying to find my value and my identity and what I do Nailed rather it. than Ooh. who I am. Yeah. And Man, so that takes us back to the garden. Yeah. Oh, garden yeah. And, and God and, and, you know, the result of sin from that first disobedience. So you're, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a huge struggle with us as guys to center our lives around what we accomplish and achieve and do yeah. and um, either interconnect it. And I think by interconnecting it to who we are, we ignore the fact that I don't I don't focus on who am I becoming. Right. The most important yeah, thing yeah. that I can offer as a man is who I am not just to the world, but to my family. And so I think that's a huge mistake. So you find guys and like, we've all been there and we're all continuing to struggle with the center in their life about what thing they can achieve or accomplish, uh, in their life and being driven by that. And then just having internally a complete collapse of, of who they are as a man with all kind of failures uh, in relationships and family. And, and I think that in leadership too, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest reasons leaders fall 
is what they do and achieve becomes the most important thing about their life rather than who they are, who they're becoming. And mm. character gets, you know, kind of sacrificed on the altar of achievement. So, so let me ask you a question. Um, so, so you have a chance to gather together with CEOs and workers within companies as well as first responders. What's the process that you go through with a guy who, let's say this is hitting home for a guy and the guy's like, I have no clue where to even start and I don't have a chance to sit down with you. So what's your process when you have a chance to meet with a guy? What are some of the big questions you ask them to start to wrestle with, to start to peel back some of the the uh, armor, I'll put, um, that the, we use to protect ourselves but are nothing more than just a, you know, it's an easy bake oven that's baking us from the inside out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's your process with them um, to, to kind of get them to experience this and then to rediscover who God created them to be rather than their vocation, creating them into something they may not want. Man, it's a tough reality because as guys, we're so guarded with that. I mean, so it, it takes a, it takes a while to build rapport with a leader in business to, and to get beyond talking about how do you lead better in your company? What structures? Cause that's what everyone wants to talk about. How do you create a culture and if I'm pushing in to say, no, I just want to talk about you as a person. How are you doing as a person? I think I start there to just begin to say, how are you doing as a person, not mm. as a leader in this company? How are you doing as a person? What are the things that uh, you just personally struggle with in your relationships? I'm trying to just push into how are you doing? I don't. And again, it goes back to that reality. I don't care what you can do and what you can accomplish. Who, are you becoming who you want to be? Are you the person you want to be in your life? And, and really, mm. if I can push into saying, you know, it, it, I was thinking about this maybe being, we can jump to this, a question to how do you avoid this? And so if I went there to say, um, I might walk with a leader and say, um, you guys may remember, I can't even remember what leadership book a long time ago I read that had this exercise and then it was popular in church life sometimes. But remember that it was a leadership book that said, um, envision yourself at your own funeral and you walk in, you're sitting at the back row, um, somehow, you know, throw away the weirdness of how am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But right. <laughs> but you're able to sit on the back row. No one knows you're there, but you're observing. And one by one, people get up and talk about you and what, what they remember about you. And it starts with yeah. acquaintances and then friends. And then mm. it goes to family and it goes to your kids and it goes to your wife. And so the, the exercise was, what do you want them to say about you? Yeah. And, and, and then, in essence, you want to say, is my life aligned? Am, am I am I moving toward who I want to be remembered as? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so that's what I try to push in with. I mean, personally, as a leader, and I think, I think it's this is a re, this is a like axiom of leadership. Unfortunately, the more you ascend into leadership, the lonelier you get. The oh. few people hold you accountable the few people yeah um you let in your life and so leadership can be the most lonely place no matter if this is church leadership or business leadership and it can be the most vulnerable place and so that's that's really my focus with epicos consulting is to look at i want to be a support to leaders who find themselves personally falling apart in the middle of 
um, leading, you know, a, a company. And again, that that's a lot of rapport I have to build with someone to go, I don't care about necessarily your leadership style. I want to know, are you becoming the person you want to be? Because that, if, if you can just begin to get, get aligned with that, you're going to build a great culture around here. And probably mm. the opposite of that is true. If that's not aligned, you're going to create a toxic culture. So, I mean, that's a lot uh, of just, well, it's not an easy answer to that question. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it shouldn't be an easy answer because it's a, yeah. it's a complicated thing that we have gotten wrong for since the beginning of time. Yeah, you know? layers of problems. And, and, and I love your approach of saying, you know, if you get the core or the foundation right, um, everything else will start to fall into place for the most part. But we often will focus on the exterior, the leadership style, and forget that yeah. the leadership style is only a reflection of the heart of the leader. And if the heart of the leader is not in the right place, it doesn't matter what training you take that leader yeah. through for the leadership style. It's not going to be a long-term change. It may be a, a quick flash in the pan, and it may be you know, two or three meetings with your staff, and you're all gung-ho about this new philosophy and this new way of doing things. But if it doesn't transform your heart in some way, it's just oh, what would the saying be? Lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Well, and I think I think you're right. I think I feel like you're you're trying to change the the DNA. So also yes. in an encouragement thing, what's what does a time limit look like? This like I mean like like I mean what do you tell guys who are like hey I'm far deep like my kids don't want to talk to me my wife wants oh. nothing to do with me or there there's a wake of chaos. What kind of time limit can you encourage these guys that it would take for something like this? You know. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. Um, you know, I did a lot of years of counseling. And and so what you're trying to do is help them begin to turn the ship and to, to have the tools to begin to initiate change. Um, you may have years of disconnection um, from your wife and your family, and, and, and you're not going to change that overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in some instances, honestly, it may not be recoverable. There may be damage mm. that that you have to say, I just have to um, do the best I can to work with what is left in the relationship. But, but I, I, So I guess my goal is to begin to just say, um, I want to equip them with the tools for the rest of their life to change the course of the direction that they're heading. I don't know how long it could. It, I know it's not yeah. quick because it didn't happen <laughs> overnight. But, but um, if if and and I want to see that like this is interconnected to company culture. If I get that as a leader and I realize the most important thing is who I am, not what I can do. Although what I can do is important, right? It is important. But if that doesn't, if that begins with me as a leader, then I begin to pour that into all the, the team and the employees I have. And I begin to help them see the most important thing you bring to this company is who you are. Just be who you are. Right. We can shore up yeah. uh, technical skill and, and things like that. But that's what makes great cultures is that it's filled with people, great people. And, and yeah. um, so I, I, that's a, that's a good question. I would say, you know, I don't know what the timeline is for a person depending on how deep they are in you know the ditch with relationships um within a company culture i know you can see some significant change uh in that with um honest conversations and beginning to really really own the mistakes you've made as a leader in a company and how you've hurt people and how you haven't valued people 
um, it, it takes some time to restore people's trust to go, are you really going to live this out? But yep. like within a company yeah. culture, I've seen some significant turnarounds fairly quickly, even within ours. I mean, we've, we've done a lot of work over the last couple of years on our team and it's been really good. Our team, um, we joke about this where we were at two years ago and I'm not joking. I mean, I joke about it, but what I'm saying is not a joke. We can remember being in, in a, a literal uh, management team meeting and having one guy look across the table and threaten to uh, whip another guy's, you know what? Uh, and I'm in between them. And wow. the guy who's saying it, you know, is, is about 260, um, looks like a CrossFit, you know, statue of, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm thinking I'm going to have to jump in between these guys. <laughs> I'm going to get some damage <laughs> and thinking, what in the world am I doing in this context? We laugh about that now and go, yeah, our yeah. team meetings now yeah. are just rich. So, so it, it, it kind of sounds, for some reason I was thinking about like the, you know, Nehemiah and it's not so much what gets done. It's, it's, are you building bridges and tearing down walls versus burning yeah. bridges and oh, building good. them up? You know, yeah. so, so I feel oh, like the success good. is is this idea of anybody out there listening is just this idea of, man, are you tearing down a brick at a time? And that brick is a success. Instead of saying, I'm not there yet, it's like, I'm one step closer, right. is what it sounds like you're saying. Right. And and, and I think, you know, yeah. as, as you've been talking a lot about leadership culture, my, my filter, again, because I, I work in the church world, I, I don't work in the business world, but every man mm. I, I engage with is in the business world. Yeah. There's so much applicability to the very things that are happening in the family. and. Chances are the way a guy manages his business world is very similar to how he manages his family. And um, those so yeah. same walls that he's building yeah. at work and that aggressive posture that can come out sometimes at work or anger or, or whatever um, is probably not far from happening in the home. And so you're really not just addressing the, the business culture. I mean, in the, the broader sense, you're actually tapping into and changing houses. You're changing marriages yeah. and you're changing dads where these kids yeah. – are feeling like dad doesn't care about anything. He just, you know, I'm not yeah. living up to whatever standards he has for me to all of a sudden a dad embracing that and, and journeying with someone because they don't see him as an object, but to see him as a person and their needs as valuable. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that, that's huge. Cause you truly are changing the uh, DNA right. of these guys. That's 100% true. Think about the phrase. Think about the phrase. It's not the most important thing is not what I do. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's who I am. So it's 100% true that that translates into family. So think about that same phrase. I might say it this way, translating into our families and how, it, how it happens in our families, at least for me, that I get derailed into thinking that the most important thing I can do as a dad or is what I can do for my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, i.e., like what well, provide for them and it, it, rather than the most important thing for my kids is who I can be to them. It, it's the same mentality. Ooh. I began to kind yeah. of do yeah, like that's good. Uh, this sense of um, it's achieving. So like, in the, I think all of us, I think God's, you know, shaped us to be providers and protectors. But what we think sometimes is we can get focused on, well, if I can just work hard and provide things, what I can do for them and they can be in all the stuff and, and my kids can be in all the things. Well, that's going to require me. So that's my role is just to provide, you know, to do things for them, to provide things for them and get derailed to think that, man, what they need is who I 
am supposed to be to them. Yeah. They yeah. need me. They don't need the things. And I know our kids all want those things right now. I have grandkids and they, they want those things, mm. but it's the exactly the same thing. We try to tell our guys, and I still struggle to believe this at my company, like that, that the most important thing is who I am, not what I produce. Uh, we we totally translate, I think, as dads into our family. And we can get, we can convince ourselves that, well, at least I'm providing, even though I'm not engaged or connected to any of my kids. I'm not engaged or connected to my wife. But, you know, I provide a good living for them. And they can do all the things they want to do. And that is meaningless because that's not what they need most. What they need most is who we are uh, yeah. as a father and a husband. So, yeah, I think it's an exact parallel in our families. Man, I, I cannot thank you enough. And b- before we go, um, first off, I want to have multiple conversations with you for a whole host of reasons. I know we should do like another one of these. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for making time for this. I, I know how t- precious time is. Um, hey, for the roundtable, Kyle, this includes you. Um, what is one book you would recommend either for leadership, leadership of the heart, or for just men in general? And a 30-second why on that. 30-second one. I'll go first because I thought of the question. Okay. Um, I'm going through a book right now called Leadership and Self-Deception. And uh, it's a frustrating leadership book at first because it's like most leadership books are like, here's the principle. Here's the explanation of the principle. Here's anecdotal stories that support the idea of the principle. And then here's a rewording of the principle. Chapter two, you know, yeah. that's the process. And, and this book is a narrative. It's a story of a guy starting at a new company. But it's fascinating because the company is set up in such a way that it really um, – tries to focus on people as people, not as projects or not as cogs in the system and how that transforms not just the system or the company, but it actually transforms his life with his wife and his kid, his son. Mm. And it's a fantastic book. Um, I would highly recommend it. Leadership and Self-Deception. And uh, it's definitely worth the time. And I think it's right in line with everything you've been talking about. So, Bill, how about you? Uh, for me, uh, so I, you know, my grandfather, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a grandfather who was a spiritual leader, and I, there's no, no demise against that. We didn't know the Lord, but so if I had a spiritual grandfather, it'd be uh, John Maxwell. Yeah. And so, uh, developing the leader within you is probably one of the books that I really love when it comes to his stuff. It's at least a good high level, a lot of things in there, and really you could just take a dartboard of all of his books and just throw something at it, and I'd be okay with it. But that one, developing the leader within you, is probably one of the best ones I've seen to start with. Kyle, how about you? And then we'll end with our guest. Oh, hold on. Hold on a second. You guys caught me on this one. It's been a (laughs) long time. But uh, probably the most recent one I read was uh, Donald Trump's book that my my ex-wife gave me. I don't know what message that sends. But... but, uh, Let's that's just, another uh, podcast for another time. <laughs> the secret messages our ex-wives give us. Yes. Yeah, but his book on leadership, I forget what it's called. I was trying to Google yeah. it, but he's written a few. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see his perspective on leadership. Yeah, interesting. Nice. Jay, what about you, man? What are some books or is a book that you would recommend to these guys to get them started on this journey? I think, um, I mean, just talking about, if you're talking about leadership, and of course there's a yeah, bunch of ones. Them, but like, I, I think about... Uh, Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero uh, is a great book because it just talks about the spiritual health. I mean, it's a great story about him just coming to a breaking point and and the joke that a couple of my friends and I use when we check on each other where he's sitting on the, he's about to speak at this huge leadership conference and he goes out for a run. He starts crying and he can't stop. So he's sitting on a curb crying. And um, so that's, 
and he talks about how he recognizes his internal collapse. He's got everything perfect, but he's spiritually, emotionally unhealthy. And the process and journey, he goes through depression and 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 how leadership impacts us spiritually, emotionally. And, and you know, when we lead on empty, he's like leading on fumes. So that's a great leadership book. Okay. Uh, across the board yeah sounds good man and so thank you so much man we have a we have one more segment we do before <laughs> with all of our guys but jay you've been amazing we are going to have yeah. you on again that's you don't even have an option you're just yeah. going to have to yeah. be on so i'm sorry yeah thank you deal guys. with it but um so so we do this with with all of our with all of our all of our guests and it's called fast five Okay. There it is. Which <laughs> we never, we don't really have an intro for that it. That so. was legit, right there. It's pretty hey, good, did man. You see that with your mouth? Yeah. I did. I you, did. You're kind of like one of those those talk box sound. Guys <laughs> yes, he is. He it. definitely is a talk box. I don't know. <laughs> the dude kind of... from Police Academy was a childhood yeah. hero, 100. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> totally what I was thinking. <laughs> so okay, so Fast Five. Here we go, Jay. Are you ready for these? I'm ready. Okay, if you had to live in a decade, which would you choose and why? Uh, 1860s, 1890, like the Wild West. Because honestly, oh. I like I like to carry a gun and settle things the <laughs> rough way. I like this guy. And I love to hunt. So I told you guys would love him. Okay, your favorite <laughs> yeah. Bible verse? Uh, Proverbs 4:23. Guard your heart, because all of life flows out of it. Yeah. Amen to that. Doesn't he just like flow the milk of wisdom out yes. whenever he talks? Oh so, man. No. Oh man. If you could be a character in a movie, who would it be? Um, Desmond Doss, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Here's why. It parallels oh, my life. okay, okay. Go for it. I, why? I yeah. feel like I God God put me to be like like the medic on the battlefield to help the world. <sighs> That's me. Man. I just want to drift around the battle and you know kind That's of lines good. up with Epic Warrior. So yeah, Heck that yeah. dude saved seventy five guys in the bloodiest battle in World War Two without a gun though. That's pretty amazing. Amazing. I'm pretty not. Amazing. I mean, that's that's one part of the story. I don't. You probably. Have to <laughs> I would at least have a sidearm. All right. I'd be shoot. I'd be shooting people and saving people. Again, honest. I love it. Awesome. Okay, so uh, the next one. If you had to pick one, or no, if, if what toppings would you put on your worst enemy's pizza? Um, Sirstramen. You know what that is? That's that no. stinky fish in a can. Oh, that makes people. You ever seen that stinky fish can? You need to Google that. You try to open Sir it. Sirstramen. And okay. then the stinkiest cheese in the world is called Kazu Marzu. So it would be like kind oh. of fish and cheese pizza. Oh, gosh. It'd be a vomit pizza, basically. Talk about a worst enemy. I don't want you to be an enemy <laughs> exactly. of me ever, Jay. <laughs> I am a friend of Jay. If, if I got a pizza rolling in my house and it says gift from Jay, I'm not opening I'm it. not opening <laughs> it. Nope. That's I'm putting right. it right in the yeah. trash. Oh, yeah. gosh. Okay. Yeah, vomit right. fest. <laughs> if you had to pick one color your shirts could be forever, what would it be? Um, OD green. OD green. What's what's OD Always green? Be, just just can't. It's kind of the green in a camo. Like camp, so. Yeah. Camo. Oh yeah. I just nice. be always ready to hunt. Me. Yeah. That's I, they it. joke at the church sometimes, and I preach that my favorite color color palette is camo. <laughs> yeah. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Okay. So bonus question. I know yes, you're out in Midland, yes, so you got it. that that beautiful cold front that moved through sometime last night. We just had it hit, hit here in Allen. <laughs> beautiful cold front. Eighty. Uh, uh, all, freezing. All 86. the way down. Yes. Yeah, all the way down to eighty six. So um, from up north, uh, we have this thing called apple cider donuts, and they're amazing. And so the question is, would you have an apple cider donut or any other donut? Uh, man, I don't even know what an apple cider donut <sighs> is. I feel like I'm this is our calling. Out. 
This is becoming part of our I mean, calling. Uh, yeah, it yes. Is. Helping the hearts of men and mailing <laughs> apple cider donuts to people. I mean, I need to try one because I'm feeling like it's probably better than a regular donut. It is yeah. incredible. So, yes. We there's may something divine about it. There is like a – it's like yeah. there's donuts and then there's this donut. Yes, absolutely. Bill, are you saying it's better than TNT donuts? Oh, absolutely. Hands down, <laughs> the better than TNT donuts. <laughs> yeah. And especially yeah. their coffee. Especially Do they call them the gut coffee. bomb? TNT donuts, the oh gut bomb? Oh, my gosh. TNT, yeah, the gut bomb. It's terrible. Jay. Yeah, I want you chip, chip my tooth on an apple fritter from there. I think Are I'm you kidding me? <laughs> That's the worst. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I can say this because I lived in Midland forever, but I think our slogan should have been, Welcome to Midland, Texas. Just deal with it. It's kind of what I felt like. <laughs> That's right. Just deal with it. It is what it is. Just deal with it. Jay, it is thank what you. it is. Thank you so much for being on today. We're so Jay. glad to have you guys. Check us yeah. out on Instagram at Known Legacy. Uh, you can uh, follow us and get up more updates from when we do these live things at Known Legacy Ministries on Facebook. Yep. And for questions, comments, or concerns, info at knownlegacy.org. If you've never tasted a cider donut, Info at knownlegacy.org. We will pray for you. <laughs> and, uh, Jay, you've been a, hu- a huge blessing, and we will have you on again soon. Thanks for being on today. Jay, great job. Thanks, Thank guys. you so much. And uh, really thank you all for it. following us online and uh, for checking out the live stream. We're happy um, you guys are doing it. So, Travis, thank you. Kyle, once Kyle, again, great thank job. you. Oh, no problem, guys. You are a blessing. You guys have a wonderful day, guys. We will see you soon. God bless.